I mean, I don't know why starting this podcast is so hard, but <clears throat> here we go again. Try this. Take two. Hey, everybody. Hi. I'm Latara. And my name's Laura. And this is Passions Podcast. Got it. We did it. Nailed it. We were like in unison. I, we're like octaves. I'm like talking really, really low. I know. We've switched. Yeah. I'm like, way up here today. Hey, I don't know why. Passions Podcast. <laughs> That's how I normally talk. <laughs> my name is Laura. I gotta fix, I gotta fix this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... Y'all, we are talking about Passions episodes 42 and 43, episode 25 woo, 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 of Passions Podcast. We did it. 25 episodes. Yeah. Look at us. Who knew? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. We did a thing 25 times. Yeah. Good for us. Yeah. Whatever. Sticking with it. That seems like quite the commitment in a time of corona. We're really sticking with it, and thank you for sticking with us. Yeah, for real. Especially after those first, like, five really rough episodes. Ooh. I feel like the content is good, but have you listened to them recently? Not I went back recently. And, I went back and was, like, listening to it, to the first episode. Mm-hmm. Girl. The quality, the, the sound quality and stuff. <laughs> I mean, I just remember, like, we were eating snacks. Yeah, you can hear me. <laughs> you feel like you can hear me. You feel like forks scraping against plates. <laughs> <laughs> like, God, what have we done to these I poor listeners? I was eating a plate of macaroni and cheese. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah, we're gonna get a new setup soon. Yeah, we we're setting up our own little studio. So, look at, look so at we'll, we'll put it on the Instagram so you can see it. Maybe our living room <laughs> studio. I think it's gonna look good. <laughs> see what it looks like before we make big promises. It's supposed to be like collapsible. It's gonna be cool. I think it will be cool. Okay, and it will definitely help with like improving the sound and the consistency and yeah. all that. So. Okay, y'all. Now we are going into passions. Y'all ready for this? Dun, dun, dun. We already did that bit. We did this bit. Unfortunately. Uh, uh, I, only have, I only have so much humor. <laughs> I only have so many jokes. I hit the humor threshold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. i got to start recycling my jokes. Oh, okay. God. I can't be funny after 25 episodes. Oh, no. So this episode <clears throat> opens at the Lopez Fitzgerald home where Hank is on the phone with Sheridan just double checking. Like, hey, we still on for the night? Like, it's just showing us what happened in the last episode, basically. The very mm-hmm. the first, like, five minutes of this is just everything that happened at the end of the last episode. So Hank is on the phone with Sheridan, and they kind of solidify their date. And she says, like, as long as Officer Lopez Fitzgerald's name doesn't come up, she it's like she is sweating Luis's balls so hard, <laughs> right? Like, she constantly is bringing him up in every conversation she ever has. Yeah. It doesn't matter who she's talking about. She's like, have I told you about Officer Lopez Fitzgerald? Yeah, she could be talking about anything. She could literally be talking about, like, tomato soup. And she's like, oh, I love tomato soup, but you know who hates tomatoes? <laughs> Luis, Lo- Luis Lopez, Lopez Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald. He's a tomato hater. Like, she, she's awful. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I digress. So they're talking about this date. She says to him... I'll meet you there at the Lobster Shack at 7 o'clock. I'll meet you. Because he's like, oh, I'll come pick you up. She's like, no, I'll meet you there. So they have a date. Which is reasonable. Yeah. I would never let a man that I did not know and had met that day. Literally met on the street. I met my current boyfriend. I literally I met him on the street. Yeah. Let's talk about this. Because I don't think I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast. My boyfriend I met on the street two years ago. And he didn't find out where I lived until... Several months. Several months into Several it. months. Like, we, we would meet at places. You yeah. know what I mean? We'll, I'll meet you at this restaurant. I'll meet you at the park. I'll meet you at wherever. And we got to know each other. Yeah, I think it was months before he came, came over. Mm-hmm. Or before I went to his home. Because yeah. I didn't want to get murdered. Right. In fact, I asked him that. The night that we met, I was like, are you going to murder me? And he's like, I could, but I'm not going to. I literally, <laughs> like, make that very clear to dates. Like, yeah. are you a murderer? If you are, just know you are not going to get away with it. I have sent all of your information to seven different people. I took a I took a picture of your 
license plate <laughs> while you were in the bathroom. I took a picture of your driver's license. I have texted. Like, <laughs> I've texted every person I know your address. I a like, picture of your face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like no, I'm not about to get murdered. And also, if you you know what, maybe I will get murdered. You won't get away with it, and I will put up quite, quite the, the fight. fight. I look. That's my thing because it's like I just don't want you to get away with this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like if you try to kill me or do kill me. I need somebody to know yeah. where, where my la- where my took my last breath and who took it from me. Yeah, this got dark. All right, it, it gets dark. But I, whatever. But I mean, it's, it's true though. So she, so I understand. Well, we get, we went around it a little bit, but it's like I understand why Sheridan was like, no, I will meet you there. Of course, but on top of that, she's a fucking heiress. Yeah, like she doesn't know anything about this guy. Yeah, she don't want him casing the joint, right? right? Like I don't know you. <laughs> well, and she just got out of that relationship. She doesn't know Jean Luc is dead, but she knows that she did get out of a relationship with a man who was using her for her money. So mm-hmm. it makes sense that she would also not want him to like know the property and see with his own eyes right. what kind of wealth she really does possess. She, I think, is trying to be wary about dating men who are only in it for her wealth. Mm-hmm. Well, as best as she can. I don't know. As best as Sheridan can. She has terrible. Terrible judgment. <sighs> she really does. Poor thing. That but you flashback know what? really messed her up. Oh, yeah. So she's on the phone with Hank. This was confused to, confusing to me. <laughs> she's on the phone with him and he goes, yeah, I thought that maybe you were going to bail on me, which somehow triggers a memory, that yeah. memory of her, whoever, the man in the background saying, you're a wicked, wicked girl, Sheridan. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I got to get out of this house. And then he's like, oh, the only reason you're going out with me is because you want to get out of the house. Like, yes, I don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, like, you are a good way for me to distract myself. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, calm she, down, relax. She's had a hell of a pa- of a few days. She really has. Let's, like, go over this, actually. I know we give her so much shit, but she has been through so much in the last, like, seven days. Yeah. We really don't know how long it's been. It's I been, know, like, I keep, I can't It's been track. somewhere between six and seven days. Yeah. We're on either day six or day seven. We might be on day five. We're not still on day five. I'm pretty sure we have moved into day six. Okay. But when we met Sheridan, she was in Paris and had been for two years. Mm-hmm. This, again, this was what? Six Within days a week. Ago. Within a week. She was in Paris. That day in Paris, she had a car accident. That was bad enough to put her in a coma. Yeah. And then, so she was in the hospital for like another day. Yeah. Then Gwen came and they went out to eat and stuff. Yeah. And then she... And Jean-Luc went out on the town yeah. for their, like, little montage they, situation, that yeah. fucking carriage. Yeah, so that was the next day he proposed. He proposed. She says yes. She thinks everything's coming together for her. Then she goes to the cabin with this man or out to the country. Yeah. Mimi shows up. Yeah. She finds out that he's been two-timing her and gets in her car, which we thought had a bomb in it, but didn't. So Sheridan doesn't even know how much shit she's been through <laughs> in the past six days. Like, we know, but she doesn't even know. She gets in her car, drives off, has her crying in the car moment that we have all had, and then goes to the airport, almost gets abducted from the airport. Again, she doesn't know that. (laughs) And gets on a plane, goes back to Harmony, has another car accident. Yeah. Two more. Flees the police, (laughs) goes to jail, has to go to court, (laughs) crashes her car again, almost hits a pedestrian. Now she has to serve 100 hours of community service, and now she's got a date at the lobster shed. Sheridan has been through a lot of shit in the last six days. A lot. She's been through a lot. <laughs> and she's got, and on top of it, she's dealing with like these debilitating flashbacks. Yeah, on top of that, she may or may not have killed someone. <laughs> and now she and has a phobia of this like living room. Can't can't sleep in the mansion. Period. Oh, poor has Sheridan. to sleep out in the cottage, which is nice. She was also sexually assaulted at a party. Oh my god! Yeah, that happened too. So much has happened to Sheridan. Poor Sheridan, in the last Sheridan. Days. like a oh. lot. 
Oh my yeah. gosh. So, I, I mean, I'm going to continue to give her shit because she sucks, but she has been she's through, through so it. Much. She's <laughs> been through it. So, yeah, they talk. What else? I, I've been talking for a long time. You want to say? <laughs> no, it's okay. Basically, they have a conversation. She's like, I'll meet you at the Lobster Shack at 7. See you then. They hang up. Ethan comes into the room and Sheridan starts complaining about Louise again. He's complaining about the community service hours. And Ethan is like, you know what? You need to stop. You do not need to get caught up in Luisa's vendetta against this family. Like, chill out. Forget about the boy. Forget about the boy. Forget about the boy. Forget about the boy. And then the... Okay, we're not going to go. We're not going to do all of Millie now. And so then Sheridan tells Ethan that the man she's going on a date with is actually friends with Luis. And that's, I think, why she can't stop, like thinking about him and talking about him because she's a little bit worried about it. But then Ethan gets upset that she's dating someone like outside of their class. Mm -hmm. And he says some very off-putting things Mm -hmm. like, you should only go out with men from our own social circle. So then Sheridan talks with him a little bit more and explains that she actually almost hit Hank and that's how they met and all this other stuff. And Ethan goes, you know what, Sheridan, maybe you don't need a night out. Maybe you need driving lessons. What, I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> I have been saying that. Girl, what are you doing? You Does she even have a driver's license? Right? Like, Why, can yeah. you? Wh- Was she driving around Paris? Yeah, remember she got into a car oh, yeah, accident in Paris. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's gotten into car accidents on two fucking continents in the last six days. <laughs> this poor woman. <laughs> she definitely needs remedial driving classes. <laughs> like, she needs a bicycle. She doesn't. She shouldn't be on a, in a car. Maybe some rollerblades. Right. Oh, this poor woman is a mess. Anyway, so Ethan continues to express worry, explains that he doesn't want Sheridan to get mixed up with another bad guy. You know, he doesn't want Hank to turn into another Jean-Luc situation. And then he starts talking nonsense about poor people again. Mm-hmm. He like, said the town, he's like, you know, the townspeople resent us for our money. Yeah. Bruh, they don't resent you for your money. They resent you for the way you treat them and mm-hmm. how you live above the law. Mm-hmm. That's what they resent. They resent that, like, people, like, disappear around your family yeah. and nobody ever finds out what happened to them. The truth is that the Cranes resent other people for not having as much money as them and then turn it around on everybody else in the town and think that they resent us. Right. That's not the situation at all. Right. So that's essentially what happens in the mansion. And so I I don't know. Everything always kind of... Things are starting to overlap. Things are overlapping, but all roads lead back to the Lopez Fitzgerald house. Right now, for sure. In this scene. Mm -hmm. So I think we should go back there and talk about Yeah, let's go see what Luis is up to over at the Lopez Fitzgerald home. So Luis is, like, putting on his boots or something in the living room. And Pilar comes in and says, I want to talk to you. Oh, okay, Mama, what do you want to talk to me Mm -hmm. about? He's like, she's like, I want to talk to you about Sheridan Crane. He's like, oh, here we go. What do you want to talk to me about her for? And she says, you know, just go easy on her. At the youth center. At the like, youth shack. At the youth shack. <laughs> like, you know, she's not as bad as you think she is. And then he kind of turns it around and says, did she ask you to talk to me? I'm sure she I'm sure she asked you to talk to me. And Pilar's like, no, it was my idea. I wanted to talk to you about it. You think you wanted to talk to me about yeah. this. But I know, I've seen how Sheridan operates. Even, though, which is ridiculous because you've seen her like, a couple of days Pilar literally watched her grow up yeah so that's ridiculous but anyway he says I know how she operates I've seen how she works even though you think you you're the this was your idea she really planted the seeds and she knows how to manipulate people and she manipulated you into having a conversation with me about it let me guess that she kind of pretend like maybe you were gonna lose your job all this shit Mm -hmm. Luis is going overboard 
per usual. I love him, but he goes he's a extra. little extra. He's extra. Yeah. He does say uh, that he's worried that the cranes are holding Pilar's job over her head. Mm-hmm. And they don't know it, but it's a little true. Basically, Ivy has had to stand up for Pilar multiple times. Uh, when I forgot his name already. Julian. Julian was like, you need to fire Pilar. Didn't somebody else suggest it too? Was just it, Julian. He just suggested it a couple times. Because nobody else would have done it. Yeah. He suggested it a couple of times. But, yeah. Yeah, but Ethan, Sheridan... And Ivy all love her. And yeah. Gwen loves her. Like Yeah, they wouldn't they wouldn't do it, but Luis does suspect that they might be be thinking that. Well because Which he, is reasonable. It is reasonable. And he also knows how the cranes operate. And when we say the cranes, we mean the cranes in charge, and that is Julian and Alistair. Mm-hmm. You know, Ivy doesn't have any power. Right. Sheridan has no power. Sheridan Ethan, just showed up again. She's been gone for years. Ethan yeah. hasn't had any power until recently, and he barely, really, he doesn't control the company. Right. Well, he also just showed up again, you know? for right. Like, Ethan and Sheridan haven't been in harmony for a long time. So the cranes of consequence are the ones who the people of Harmony resent, including Luis. Mm-hmm. And these other ones just get roped in mm-hmm. by association right right? so we know they're not as bad but why wouldn't they be as bad why wouldn't they be as bad although frankly like they've just been in town for a couple of days and they're starting to say pretty horrific things Ethan, yeah this episode because he says that a few times about like Mm -hmm. you should be you really should be with men of our own class and our own crowd you should meet a guy down at the country club, blah, blah, blah. Remember a couple of days ago, he made that joke to his mom about it. Yeah. And Ivy was like, haha, you say it like it's a joke, but actually I think it's the right idea. And in just a couple of days, he's come around to be like, yeah, that is the way things should go. Yeah. Ugh. And just saying that people resent them for their money. It was so gross to me because mm-hmm. it's like, no, people resent you for the way you use your money and influence. Mm-hmm. They don't resent your money. Nobody resents your money. That doesn't make any sense. No. No, people don't resent other people for having wealth. It's what you do with that wealth and with that power Mm -hmm. that people have a problem with. Exactly. And when you think that you should be held to a different set of rules Mm -hmm. and that you should get to live your life however way you see fit, regardless of what the social contract is, that people start to take issue. Right? Right. And it's just that people with money often have more power, and that is what they abuse. And that is what people resent. Right. So in this conversation between Pilar and... Louise. I forgot to mention that Pilar comes in and talks about how she likes Beth. She's glad they, he's got a right. date with Beth. So they remind us that Louise has a date with Beth at the Lobster Shack at 7 o'clock. This is so important. I can't wait. We're going back to the, the Lobster, Lobster Shack, Shack, baby Lobster Shack. Hey, hey. Lobster Shack, baby Lobster Shack. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could have seen like the stupid point that I did. Yeah. It's cute. <laughs> Mad cute. Okay. So, they're still having that conversation. Louise says Sheridan manipulated her. Manipulated? Manipulated. (laughs) Manipulated. (laughs) That just made me think of the, um, what are they, the the robot women with like the gun boobs? Oh, yeah. What are they called? Fembots. Fembots. Fembots from Austin Powers. Austin Powers. Manipulated. Manipulated. That better for you? No, I like manipulated better. (laughs) Pilar. Uh, but... Whatever. They're having this conversation. And while they're talking inside, Miguel and Charity are outside trying to get that stupid bike started. Well, they got the bike started. Mm -hmm. Remember, she's sitting on the back of the bike. And the bike is started. And they're sitting there. And we're waiting on Grace and Sam to get there to intervene. And... This is very upsetting. It is very upsetting. It's all very upsetting. They're sitting on the bike being sad, and Miguel's like, you gotta put your helmet on so I can take you home. And Charity's all like, well, I might never see you or Harmony again. And then the bike stops running. 
And then he's like, oh, it's the carburetor. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. It's the carburetor. You know that just by, like, the sound of the bike going off? He's been tinkering with that thing for a while. Yeah, I guess it's... you would know, like, this is a thing that has been happening with my car. Not, not my car. Motorcycle. With my vehicle. It's his carburetor. Mm-hmm. And so Miguel looks at her and says, don't be sad. Together we can make a miracle happen. <laughs> and I don't know. I do feel bad for Charity because she's very upset. And she does say that she doesn't want to move again. She doesn't want to go back to like her lonely old life where she's always the new girl. She has no friends. She doesn't have any roots. She's trapped in a home with her mother who seems to be mentally ill. Yeah. You know, I, I understand not wanting to go back to like this nomadic life where you don't feel attached to anybody or any place. Yeah. That would be really tricky, especially if you're, you know, 16. Yeah, I I wouldn't want to do that again. Uh, if, especially after getting a taste of, like, normal teenage life. Yeah. For her to have what she thinks her friends, Kay and Simone, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah she and, doesn't know any better. And and Miguel, a little boyfriend. Yeah, a little She's got a little crush. And I think that's probably why it's so intense for her, too. I, I don't know why it's so intense for Miguel. But for her, it's like, this is the first boy she's ever liked. And he likes her back. Yeah. Do you remember? How many boys did you like that were not interested? Well, for me, it was a lot. <laughs> In high school? Oh, my God. You know, I went to an art school. Yeah. So, like, all of the boys, most of the boys were gay. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I liked them. They didn't like me back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think I was, like, uh, you know, awkward and very tall and everything else. And I just, you know, had I was boy crazy like every girl. I had all these crushes. None of them liked me back. Yeah. Not a single one. So to be, like, 16 yeah. and the person that you, are like, are infatuated with, you're like, oh, my he's God, infatuated he's so with cute. you too. And he likes you back. I mean, come oh, on. Oh, yeah, that would be it's sweet. It's such a special feeling. Yeah. I don't know. I... I mean, we've had this conversation. I did not do well in high school with the boys, right. <laughs> you know, like in general. I was, very, I was just very um, awkward. I guess everybody is, but yeah. but my friends. I also was thicker, so I came into my grown woman body at like in like eighth grade. Same girl, right? Like I had D cup breasts. Same, yeah. and I was wearing like a 13 in pants mm-hmm. juniors like the top of the you know mm-hmm. and busting out of those because mm-hmm. my thighs and butt and hips were so wide and big I, and i was just like shaped like an adult like i was just had a banging bod i, I did but but, but all the other girls were right, skinny and right. thin and didn't weren't shaped like me so i thought i was just like fat mm-hmm. so yeah and the, and, the boy, and the boys just weren't interested the like grown men were same no i identify with what you're saying and actually you know reflecting on it it makes sense like a 14 year old boy is attracted to a 14 year old girl mm-hmm. you know and when we're walking around and we're 14 and we look like we're 25 brick houses made a stack and that's a fact <laughs> ain't holding nothing back she's a brick she's 13 <laughs> and it's inappropriate to sing this song about her <laughs> she is a dun, 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 child dun, 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 dun. <laughs> she's a minor minor <laughs> gotta avert my eyes <laughs> oh lord <laughs> gold this is fucking gold uh, I love it I, and, I th- and I thought we ran out of jokes <laughs> I just cracked myself up oh good uh, god that was so, fabulous that was good I don't know what we were talking about. <laughs> talking about being in high school. Apparently, we have a lot oh, of charity. feelings about being in high school. We're talking about charity. So, charity. so, I understand. So, to get back to this show, I understand where she's coming from and that she's experiencing basically all of life in the span of, like, two days. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, I understand why she's devastated that she has to walk away from this, you know, for seemingly no good reason for her. <sighs> yeah. Ugh. I feel so... I do feel bad for Charity. 
in this situation. So they're on the bike. It stops. But then it starts again. Yeah. He, he finally gets the bike going again. Now, Grace and Sam are on their way to Miguel's house, right? Because Simone, the hero of this story, mm. told them where, where Charity was, right? So they're on their way. They're walking so fucking slowly down the sidewalk to this house that's like around the corner from them. They're walking so slowly, talking, stopping to talk. Then they finally get to Pilar's house. Pilar opens the door. Sam, Hank, and Pilar are all there. Hank kind of... And this makes sense. They, like, see each other and they have a moment. Oh, it's been years. Nice moment. to see right. you. How are you doing? Sorry, it's great, but we're in a hurry. Right. So they kind of come in and Pilar and Luis tell them that Miguel's out in the backyard with Charity and they were just about to leave. So they rush through the house, right? Grace and Sam rush through the house. And then they stop in the kitchen, look out of the kitchen window, can see Miguel and Charity on the fucking motorcycle and start to just look out the window. And then Grace does this stupid, the same stupid ass shit Charity did, which is just bang on the window and try to get their attention through the window. Bitch, go outside. They're definitely related. Like, they're definitely related. <laughs> no, they're definitely related. Because Charity did that bullshit on the bus. It was just like banging on the bus window instead of getting off the fucking bus. <laughs> yeah. And then Grace banging on the window instead of just going through the back door. They're definitely related, yeah. They could have easily stopped them. For sure. Yeah. Why would you stand inside of a building and yell to someone outside of the building who has a motorcycle engulfing all of their sound. You know what I mean? With a helmet on. With a helmet on. Like, if you're... Well, look, I don't know. I've, I have not been on a bike, but I imagine that it's quite noisy and you can't really hear... Right. You know, what's going on inside... Or, or immediately around you, let alone from someone screaming inside of a house. Like, you could hear me or you screaming from inside a house because we're fucking opera singers and we can, we know how to project our voice. Unless the scream I let out when this happened. I'm sure the whole neighborhood heard yeah. I was very upset. Right. But like just a, a lay person just being like, please stop, wait. Like no one, they're, yeah. they're, they're not, you're not going to hear it. <laughs> a lay person. You're not going to hear it. Oh, a lay person. A lay person. A muggle, if it. you will. <laughs> if a muggle is screaming indoors. Oh no. Can anybody hear <laughs> Can it? Can anybody hear it? Oh no. <laughs> so they miss them. Oh fucking again. Yep. Bike takes off. Grace and Sam come outside. Too late. Yeah, they finally go outside. It, I don't know. It's just... Uh, the whole thing is unfortunate. You done did it again. I mean, I was deeply upset by this. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it upset me greatly. I mean, we knew it wasn't going to happen. We the thi- I think what's upsetting is, like, we know it's not going to happen, but we have to sit and watch it anyway. Gotta sit and watch it not happen. Yeah. Over and over, over and over again. And over and over. Yeah. So... Grace and Sam look a little bit crazy to everybody in the house, so they mm. go back inside and explain what's going on. That Charity is Grace's long-lost niece, and that she and her mother are moving, that they don't have an address, they don't have contact information, they don't have a, a phone number, and that they're moving tonight. So, they, you know, her family is within their grasp, but they they seem to have missed them again, and they don't know what to do. And then Hank basically, like, doesn't give a shit and excuses himself because he wants to go get ready for his date right. with Sheridan. Yeah, he's like, well, that's too bad. I'm going to go now and scam this lady. Yeah, he's like, she's beautiful and rich. Hey, Hank. <laughs> yeah. Eh. Fucking Hank. So Hank leaves. Hank leaves. And Luis stays because Luis is a good guy. And he's like, you know, Grace, let's find a solution. What can we do? Right. We can go through the police station. We can't. Do you have a phone number? Do you have, like, he's like, what can we do to solve? He's very, like, solution oriented, mm-hmm. you know? I love Luis. Yeah. And Pilar is like, y'all gotta pray. Yeah, Pilar is like, I know what we could do. I know something that we could do. And Laura and I both are like, pray. <laughs> Pilar's gonna suggest they fucking pray. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what? A prayer, uh, this is what I've, I tell people all the time. 
it couldn't hurt. Right? Yeah. Like, it might not do anything, but it certainly, it can't hurt. Yeah. Like, go for it. Pray. Yeah. <laughs> go for it. Tabitha, Tabitha did say the power of prayer works. She did. She's like, I've underestimated the power of prayer. The power of prayer. So, yeah. The, yeah so, so she and Grace decide to go have a prayer. And Sam's like, I've got, a, I've got an idea. And maybe you can help me with this to Louise. Yeah. We don't know what the idea is, but Louise is like, I'm on board. I'll do whatever. I'll help any way I can. Right. I would like to just point out that that green and purple candle that's in the Pilar, in um, the Lopez Fitzgerald house mm-hmm. are the two candles that they lit for the prayer. And mm-hmm. it was just so nice because they keep zooming in on those two fucking set piece candles. They've done it so many times in the show. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, why are we, why do we spend so much time looking at these unlit candles? And they finally lit them today. Didn't she light them the first time we saw them? Maybe she, because they were she was lighting talking about like, her, her yeah. husband and their she missing son and stuff. A, she lights a candle every night for them. Oh, it's the same candles. It's those two candles. Yeah, right yeah. in their kitchen window. So. Yeah. That was nice, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I, it was nice for me. <laughs> if I, <laughs> I didn't even notice. I'm, I mean, I'm sure most people probably didn't give a shit, but I did. Yeah. Anyway, but like you were saying, um, Sam's like, I've got like an idea. Luis, come in the living room and let's let's figure this out or yeah, whatever. Yeah, he says it's risky. Well, okay. So his, his idea was he pulled some strings with like the computer expert at the police department mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a misappropriation ah, of like funds um, because it's not for a police matter it's for a personal, personal matter, matter. Okay. and he he tells Luis that he did explain to the expert that it is personal and not professional and he's hoping he can keep it on the DL but it's super important and so if if anything comes up then he'll um, take the heat for it because he's using police resources for something that's personal so okay. I think that's the issue the risky part okay mm-hmm. that makes sense So that's bound to come up at some point. So while this is all going on in Harmony, Charity and Miguel have driven off on the motorcycle. And of course it fucking breaks down. Why? Why would you take that motorcycle anywhere when it couldn't even make it out of your driveway without breaking down? Because they're 16 and they want to spend time together. And they're secretly hoping maybe it will. And You know, like... Maybe it will break down, and then we'll have to spend more time together. I don't or know. you get hit by a car. I, I look. I because you're on a motorcycle that breaks down on the right. highway. Well, they had look in the last episode. He was tinkering with it out in the back while she was like inside talking with people, to, and then she went outside and he couldn't get it started. And then she picked up that part that ring yeah. thing. Maybe that's why it didn't <laughs> it work. Probably fucked up. It probably came off the carburetor. Probably came off. <laughs> that was the one thing holding the carburetor on. Yeah. And and then they finally got it started while they were on it, and then it stopped, and he got it started again. I mean, that thing is on the fritz. Yeah. So why take it to the next town over? Yeah. Whatever, children. Luckily, they were near a garage. Right. <laughs> Miguel's bike breaks down near a garage, luckily. That's literally what I wrote. Oh, wow. We <laughs> and... said the same thing. We just, like, arranged the words differently. Yeah. And so they t- he takes the bike into this garage or whatever for the mechanic to fix it. Charity's flip- flipping out a little bit, so she decides to call her mom on the payphone. Mm. Payphones are plenty in 1999. Mm-hmm. So she calls her mom on the phone, and Faith is flipping the fuck out, y'all. If I hadn't seen Tabitha's green face with the fire, and even though I have seen it, it still, she still seems like way over the top. (laughs) Essentially, a human dragon came through the computer screen, (laughs) caused a tornado, and blew fire at her. So I fucking get it. Yeah. I get it. She's flipping out though, man. And if you are in Charity's shoes, it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, Charity doesn't understand what's going on. She's used to her mom being, like, a little, I don't, I mean, a little overprotective is n- is not correct. She's used to being on a tight fucking leash. Yeah. And being around a woman who seems to be schizotypal at best, right. schizophrenic, you know, something, like, has a serious mental illness that right. is, has gone 
on undiagnosed and unmedicated, right? That's like kind of the world that she's used to. Yeah. But I still don't think she's seen her mom like this before. Yeah, because I mean, we haven't in the last six six days. Yeah. You know, in the last like forty one episodes or whatever. She mm-hmm. she's a little like. Oh, Charity's in trouble. Oh, the she's darkness. Very jumpy. Yeah, she's always shaky, like a like a, a chihuahua. Yeah, I was about to say like a little dog that's yeah. just like nervous, a nervous dog. Yeah. But this is it's new. Like she's yeah. shaking. Like she's frantic. She's frantic. Yeah, she is. Yeah, frantic. Because Charity calls her and is like, "Mom, like I I saw your twin. I saw her. She's here. She's in harmony." Like, you need to listen to me. Why don't you believe me? And Faith is just like, it wasn't her. Evil appeared to you. And I'm not taking any more chances. I will not risk your life. You need to come home yeah. now. And Charity tries, but she, I mean. Charity really kind of lets go. Through. Charity kind of lets loose, too. She yells at her mom She, she kind of lets loose, which I get it. I get it. Because yeah. basically Charity was saying, look, we've been moving around for years looking for your twin sister. I finally found her. I'm telling you I found her. And you don't believe me? Mm. I know where she is. And I'm not lying to you. Like, I wouldn't lie. And Faith, and Faith also probably should tell her, like, a green face came through the the computer while I thought I was talking to Gray. So that's why I think you're also probably being tricked, too. It's a trap. It's it's a trap. (laughs) Admiral Akbar, Mm -hmm. the greatest of all Star Wars characters. That's what I've been told. (laughs) It's a trap. So, yeah, so she lays into her mom, but Faith is not having it. She's like, bring your ass home now. Yeah. Right now. So Charity tells Miguel the situation and is like, you know... I think this is going to be... This is it. The last time we see each other because yeah. I'm moving tonight. There's nothing I can do. I, I did my best, but like I've exhausted all my options. This is it. We're going. Yeah. And Miguel's like, well, if it is our last night together, we need to make the most of it. <laughs> and he looks at Charity and he asks her to dance. And what does she say? I won't dance with you, Miguel. <laughs> That's what she said. I'm almost, I almost think she said that verbatim. Yes, yeah, she did. She said, I won't dance with you because I don't know how to dance. Yeah. She goes, I won't dance with you, Miguel. And then she like walks away. And then he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, what did I do wrong? Poor Miguel. <laughs> I don't know what you did wrong. I would have said no too, but she said no for different reasons. Right. Yeah. But he, <laughs> she's like, he's like, what? And she's like, well, I can't dance with you because I don't know how to dance. Ugh. But it's a slow dance. You kind of hold hands and wrap your arms around each other and wiggle back and forth. Like, well, she says they don't. She doesn't know how to dance. So then they dance. He's like, "Don't worry, I'll dance with you, and it'll be fine." And blah blah blah. And then this song plays. Shit, I can never remember the song. It was like, "Cross my heart and hope to die." I will never tell you lies. I I wrote the words down, but I can't remember how the melody goes. But it was like, "Cross my heart and hope to die." If I ever tell you lies, cross my heart. It was something like that. It was horrible. It was pretty bad. It was very bad. <laughs> so they do this dance, proving that neither of them know how to dance. Because mm. <laughs> it it is awful. I thought it was, I mean, it was bad, but it was kind of sweet. He's, like, trying to, like, spin her. <laughs> it was not sweet. They're just dancing in the middle of this person's, like, fucking business. Like, at this garage. Yeah. This, to no music. This, like, we can hear music, but there's no music. This well, grindy garage. garage. I think it, I did hear music coming from the garage. Oh, so I think they were dancing oh. to that. I just, wow. Yeah. I didn't put that together until the, right now. Yeah. I think they were dancing <laughs> to that, and then we got, like, the music, track music or whatever. So they're dancing at this garage, and then the mechanic kind of interrupts. He's like, sorry to interrupt, but your <laughs> bike's yeah, done. Yeah. But then Miguel looks at Charity, and he's like, has a light bulb moment. He's like, Charity, I know how we can figure out who your aunt is. It's been staring me right in the face. I am the person who can figure this out. Right. And it's like, well, yeah, because 
he knows everybody in Harmony. So one look at Charity's mom, now that he knows that it's her identical twin sister, when he sees her face, he'll know who... He'll say, oh... Yeah, oh, you look just like Mrs. Bennett. Which is great, because honestly, when he... I love that you put that together so quickly, because I literally was just like, what? (laughs) I was so confused. I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And then he never said it. Yeah, he didn't explain it. He didn't explain it, so I feel like I'm not alone in that boat, where I'm just like, what the fuck? I'm sure that they will explain that next episode. It's you know, uh, it was either last uh, the last um, podcast episode or mm-hmm. the one before mm-hmm. where I was confused about Sam putting it all together, and you had to explain it to me because I was like, I don't fucking understand yes. what's happening here. And I feel like it was just the reverse where like they just kind of explained it, but not enough, right? You know, yeah. So let's move on to since we're talking about them, let's go to Sam and Grace. Okay, so Sam and Grace leave the Lopez Fitzgerald house and they go to the church. I can't. What's the name of the church? St. Margaret Mary. Margaret Mary's. I'm never going to remember that. So they go to St. Margaret Mary's. Or Mary Margaret's. St. Mary Mar- They go to St. Aloysius. They go to SMM. 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 It's either St. Mary Margaret's or St. Mary- Margaret Mary's. <laughs> Sounds like you're saying the church of SMM. Yeah. <laughs> so they go to the church and Sam basically drops off Grace. He goes, I know this church is a great comfort to you. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's, they, she just wanted to go to the church because it made her feel more comfortable and she feels at home and there, I guess, whatever, and yeah. to get some peace, to yeah. find some peace. Sam is like, I'm going to go to the police station while you do what you need to do here, and I'll see you afterwards. So what does she do at the church? Well, she kneels down to pray right in front of that angel statue, and it immediately comes to life. <laughs> yeah, like there wasn't even like the, yeah. like the like magnet music yeah. or whatever. And the, yeah, and like the light. It was just no. like, boom, I'm here now. Yeah, I'm here now. Let's let's talk it out, girl. And the angel tells her, listen, Grace, you can't give up. If you give up now, all will be lost. Yeah, she says you you will need great courage for what will happen tonight. So, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> so I guess like the, the next couple episodes are going to be. Yes. We're still, I, I don't know when we started this day, but it's been going on for several episodes. Yeah, it's been a long day. Yeah. We started this day at the fucking courthouse. Oh my God. Didn't yeah. we? Did we? Yeah, we did. We started this day with Sam and Luis on a shirtless run on the beach. I'm pretty sure we did. Mm-hmm. This isn't the next day, is no, it? No, it's the same day. Yeah. Because Sheridan. Because she goes to the youth center. And she's still in the same outfit from the youth center. Yeah, because mm-hmm. she goes to change her clothes because mm-hmm. she spilled something, got oil yeah. on her shirt. Yeah, this yeah. is all the same day from her court wow. appearance. Yeah, it's, it, this is a long-ass day. Wow. We've been in this day for like 10 episodes. And it's still and going. And we're in like the middle of it. It's yeah. still going. Yeah, it's the middle of the afternoon. It hasn't gotten dark yet. Wow. Because Charity's still out. <sighs> Charity's still out, <laughs> so we know what time of day it is. So, since, so basically, the angel comes to life at the church, tells Grace, you know, you're going to need great courage or basically everything will be lost for you and your family. Mm-hmm. And... That's the end of the episode for the show, but we should talk about Sheridan. Yeah, so that happens at the church. Let's go back over to the cottage where Sheridan is getting ready for her fucking date with Hank. And Ethan comes. Yeah, Ethan comes with her back to the cottage, and she says to him, Oh, thanks for coming to, to keep me company while I get ready. Ugh. Okay. But you know what? They're close family members. And they, we got to think of them more like cousins. Yeah. You know, and my my cousin, my closest cousin would keep me company while I got yeah. ready for a date and, be t- and would be talking to me about who is this and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So it makes sense. It makes sense. But it just, it does read like Ethan's like obsessed with Sheridan. They seem like they're obsessed with, with each, each other. other. Yeah. Honestly, they really do. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. But while they're there, Sheridan explains to Ethan that she's much more comfortable in the cottage than she is in the main house mm-hmm. because of what happened there. As we know. Mm-hmm. She can't be in that. Even though she spends so much time in that living room, 
that she's supposed to be afraid of, but again, I'm going to let it go. Yeah, I really am. Yes, they're at the cottage. And Ethan is asking Sheridan to tell her, tell him more about this Hank character. He says, I wish I knew more about this Hank guy. And Sheridan says, don't worry about him. I told him I would meet him at the Lobster Shack just in case he's a creep. And then the doorbell rings. And I thought to myself, that better not be Hank. But it was. It was Hank. Creep ass Hank. At her front door with a rose. Can you imagine <laughs> making a date with a man? Oh, my God. Who you have never, has never been to your home. You met him today. And you told him, I will meet you there. And he shows up at your front door with one rose. Oh, my God. I would think I'm about to die. Mm-hmm. This man's here to kill me. Yeah. That's terrifying. Especially after I explicitly said, I'll meet you there. And I, and I know that, like... They're a famous family, and their property is famous in the town, so he knows. How, but how did he get, get onto on the, the grounds? grounds? Yeah. And someone at the mansion must have said she's at the cottage. Like, some, you, you know, like, there are many levels of security that were breached. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Somebody's getting fired. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Somebody's mm-hmm. getting fired. Teresa had the dogs let out on her. Right. <laughs> and Hank just gets a little bit of the third degree from Ethan. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And she doesn't seem, she's like, what are you doing here at first? And then she's like, okay, well, come on in. She seems, like, charmed by it. Yeah. Because she has terrible, terrible, terrible judgment. Yeah. She seems charmed by it, even though this is, like, stalker territory. Mm-hmm. This is dangerous. Mm-hmm. A man should not ever just show up to your house when you, he, you didn't give him your address. Right. You just showed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. All right, girl. Mm-hmm. So she invites him in. And then introduces him to Ethan while she, and then she goes to get ready and get changed. And so then Ethan and Hank talk. And Hank kind of sucks up to Ethan a little bit and says, this is a this is a beautiful home. These are great grounds. This must be amazing to have grown up on and to live here, blah, blah, blah. And then Ethan's still giving him, like, the cold shoulder and is being pretty cold to him. And then he says, you know, I know a lot of people resent the cranes for their money and resent the crane money, but a lot of people would be homeless and unemployed if it wasn't for crane industries they employ a lot of people around here and have gotten a lot of people through tough times and that seems to kind of warm ethan up a little bit well so hank then, is a con artist hank knows what to tell people mm-hmm. to get them on their side like he knows that the cranes don't provide jobs that people can live on with a sustainable wage he knows that he grew up in that town he knows what's going on really in harmony but he also knows what the cranes think about themselves yeah. and knows exactly what he needs to do to manipulate them into into um, trusting him, right? Yep. He's a con. Yeah. So then Ethan kind of warms to him slightly and then starts to grill him, grill Hank about, his, basically about his intentions towards Sheridan and where have you been and where have you lived and, you know, what kind of person are you? Mm-hmm. Are you, do you have a grudge against us like your friend, Lo- Officer Lopez Fitzgerald? And mm-hmm. they go back and forth. And then Hank gives a cute little speech. Yeah, he defends Luis. Yeah. He tells Ethan not to judge him based on his feelings about Luis because he knows him as a completely different person. Yeah, he says, I respect Luis, but I'm not him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's like, I, and I hope that you can respect me for who I am mm-hmm. and not judge me based on your feelings about Luis. It was a cute little speech. Was, he is definitely a con artist. It was a cute speech, and I was really impressed because he parlayed a question that Ethan had about what is your line of work into defending his friend Luis. Mm. He, he used that speech as a way to dodge Ethan's question. Yeah. Like, he, he's good at what he does. Yeah, he's good at conning people. Yeah. He's a confidential... What is it? Confidence? Confidence man. Confidence man. A confidential yeah. man. He's a confidential man. <laughs> the confidence man. Confidence man. Yep. So then Sheridan emerges. She's in a dress. She looks good except for her hair. Very her ni- Very 90s hair. 
Ethan leaves and Sheridan looks at Hank and she says, you know what? I'll let you drive me to the lobster shack under one condition. I don't want to hear the name Luis Lopez Fitzgerald. Bitch, you brought it up. You brought it up just now for no reason. But anyway, they're headed to the lobster shack. And so is Luis with Beth. Beth. But I think Luis and Beth are going to be late because Luis is working on Grace's thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So maybe they won't make it to the lobster shack. Maybe they've been hyping us up. Maybe they'll make it, but they'll be late so their table will be given away and then they'll have to sit and do like a double date with Sheridan oh, and Hank. Oh, I like where we're going. And then they'll both be kind of like, like, um, not Ethan, Luis will kind of be like more into Beth to make Sheridan angry Ugh. and Sheridan will be like more into Hank to make Luis angry. That doesn't seem like Luis's style though. It doesn't, but you never know. Well, we shall see. So that's the, that's it for episode 42. Two. We're going to take a little break and we will be right back. All right, let's do this. Let's do it. Cross my heart, hope to die, if I ever tell you lies. We heard it again. We had a little reprise. (laughs) Stick a needle in my eye. Oh, yeah. All right. That's our... That's... That's the new song of the season, it seems. That's Charity and Miguel's love song. That's their love theme. Their love theme. <laughs> it's their white motif. It's their love theme. Second only to, like, Tristan and Isolde. Right. Or, I don't know. Butterfly and Love Duet. Butterfly. Oh. It's, that's my favorite love duet. Oh, it's gorgeous. I actually really love Tristan, that duet. It's, it's I know too it's damn all, long. I know it's too long, but, like, the first Ozinkianita, like, the first, like, just give me the first six minutes. Cool. And, but it's so beautiful. Because oh. it definitely goes on for a solid fucking hour. It does. <laughs> An hour-long duet. So it's, long. Their duet is, like, the entire second, second act. Second act. It's kind of like that in Traviata, too. Oh, God, that duet's gorgeous, oh, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. And it, but it is kind of the whole second act no but the, well well i mean obviously there's stuff with jamal and all that but like yeah. oh that's so good it's no tristan is like a whole it really, it's, like, it's, it's its own fucking beast it like literally yeah well it's, and now this is an opera podcast <laughs> trick you bitches trick you you thought this was a soap opera podcast but it's about actual fucking operas <laughs> no no we back to passions passions episode 43 three i hated this episode i loved this episode i was so happy when it was over I hated every second of it, almost every second of it. I laughed a couple of times. There were a couple of, like, hilarious moments. But most of it was annoying. I really liked this episode. I I love, like, I, I finally figured out 43 episodes into this that they basically start the show by visiting every location mm-hmm. just to be like, this is where we are. Then yeah. they do the little intro song, and then we just tell the rest of the story. Yeah. And so once we started just doing the intros, this is where we are. This is where this character is. This character's over here doing this thing. I'm like, this episode's going to be good. Yeah, but, I like, okay, okay. I did not feel similarly. I was very annoyed <laughs> at the, the action of this episode. So, oh, I yelled so loudly at one point that I was like, I, <laughs> "Yeah, you did." <laughs> apologize. I had to apologize to you. You didn't have to apologize. You were just frustrated, and I get it. The situation's crazy. I, I was pissed. So let's get into this stupid yeah. episode. Let's tell people about this great episode. Okay, you do it then. Okay. <laughs> well, well, Latara, it begins at the book cafe, mm-hmm. right, where Luis is meeting Beth. She's just finished a shift at work, and she's all dressed up and ready to go. He comes in. She puts the closed sign up. And they sit down and reminisce and talk a little bit before walking over to the lobster shack. And she, like, makes him close his eyes and disappears and comes around and puts on her prom queen crown from high school. Girl, Beth is so weird. Beth I, is living in the past. I 
when she came up in the the first episode we saw her in with the muffins, and I was like, she looks familiar. And then I was like, oh, fuck, that's Beth. Mm. She's talking to Luis and is like, you know, I could kick myself for not telling you that I would wait forever, forever for you back when we were younger. And then comes out in like a prom crown that she saved. And Luis is like, oh, I don't even know where mine is. Like, I haven't seen that thing in years. Because, yeah. you know, they're like probably mid-20s, late-20s. It's been a long time. And she goes, oh, yeah, I was jealous of Sheridan when I saw you. You were arguing like a couple. Like, she is living in the past. She is still obsessed with her high school sweetheart, has tokens of their relationship, has mm-hmm. just told the man that she would wait for him forever in a roundabout way of saying, I didn't tell you this, but I should have. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, Luis is fine, though. Can you imagine Oof. having a man that fine? Having, ha- I mean, what do you do when you've had the best? True. You know, forget about the rest. Forget about the rest. I, I guess, I guess, like after Luis, the the next logical step is Sam. Yeah, but Sam's that's the, unattainable. <laughs> that's the only. I mean, who else are you gonna date? Sam is completely unattainable. Ethan? Uh-uh. Hell no. Hell no. No, absolutely not. Ugh. Who who is single? Hank? <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> Anybody I'd rather be met? single. Are there any other men we met who are... None. There's no single men. Julian. He's not single, but yeah, he'll fuck no, you. There's no single men. Yeah, he'll fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I like tried to gloss right over that. And make you call him Mr. Crane. Ugh. Oh, okay. He, oh, disgusting. I hate him. So they're at this coffee shop at the book cafe and talking about all this shit. And um, Beth is being weird. Mm. As, as she does. What else happens, Laura? <laughs> You just didn't take any notes. <laughs> I, you know what? I took like a note about the coffee shop. Okay. Literally, I wrote Beth and Louise talk about Sheridan, <laughs> which they do. That's the next thing that happens. You did it perfectly. Okay. So because at that point, Louise tells Beth about Sheridan's community service. So they do. They talk about Sheridan. And Louise is like, it's going to be a disaster. I have to do it. But she's going to make my life hell for a few weeks. And then it will be over. And he tells Beth, I'm tired of talking about this. I've been talking about this all day. Can we change the subject? I don't want to think about Sheridan Crane anymore. Right. And she's like, sure, no problem. And then they head to dinner. They head to the Lobster Shack. So over at the Lobster Shack, I took a few more notes. Good for you. Not many more. Literally three. Um, I had like <laughs> three pages of notes about this episode. Over at the Lobster Shack, I was getting so frustrated. And I was also, I'm losing interest in some of these stories. Mm. Not necessarily like the Sheridan and Louise stuff yet. But, like, the grace and faith, I'm losing interest Mm -hmm. fully. Well, I think the issue with doing, we're basically doing four episodes of the show a week Mm -hmm. because we release two podcast episodes. And so we are watching every minute and taking notes and then discussing, you know, like, every aspect of this show when, honestly, I think most people kind of dip in and out. A lot of people mostly, like, will watch the show while they, like are doing something in the have yeah. it on doing something yeah okay. and we're like very intensely watching and discussing and the show and giving we're very good analysis giving great analysis <laughs> and commentary and then on top of it a lot of these episodes are recap where characters are telling other characters about a thing which we have already seen 14 times and talked about and talked about 14 times and taken notes on 14 times That's you know so, true. so there's there's just a lot of repetition for us especially and so i can understand where it becomes tiresome okay all right Good, then I'm going to not feel bad about Don't it. Don't feel bad at all, girl. So Sheridan and Hank get to the lobster shack, and Sheridan brings Louise up again. Mm-hmm. Again. She brings she Louise up again, and, and it's like, are you sure that he won't be here? And Hank's like, I promise you, you won't see him here. He's taking an old girlfriend out tonight. And Sheridan goes, oh, really? Who is she? Bitch, why do you care? She cares Why do you so care much. so much? And she's not even bothering to try and hide it. No, she's not trying to hide it. Nothing. She's, she, why do you care? I don't get it. 
if you hate him so much. She's, I don't know. It's also like she doesn't even have the decency to consider who she's out with Mm -hmm. on a date. Like, stop talking about another man. Yeah. Stop doing it. If I'm out on a date, if I'm going to talk about a man, it'll be like, oh, my friend did this. Right. Isn't this a funny story? You know? Yeah, but I'm not going to be obsessing over another man or person. Right. Wow. She's, she's so frustrating. She's so annoying. I know we just talked about how much Sheridan has been through, but she's still so annoying. Yeah, I mean... She doesn't know how to operate in the world like a decent person. Like, the courtesy is not there. Yeah. So they go into the lobster shack. He assures her they won't be seeing Louise tonight. But we Mm -hmm. all know. We all know the real. (laughs) We know the real. We all know. Uh, When they walk in to the lobster shack, Hank says hi to Fred, who is the owner, and introduces him to Sheridan. And Frank mentions... You know, look how busy we are. We'll we'll find you guys a table. It's great that you're back in town. Nice to meet you, Sheridan. Um, we've started adding entertainment, and, like, sales have been through the roof. We're busy every night. Get ready, because tonight there's going to be a really exciting surprise. Showstopper. A showstopper. So they finally get a table, and Hank, uh, or Frank, tells Hank, <laughs> sorry about the long wait. You know, the first round of drinks is on me. And Hank weasels a free bottle of champagne. He's like, well, we waited long enough. I think a bottle of champagne will do. One of my three notes says, they sit down for their dinner and Hank scams a bottle of champagne from the from the owner. And Sheridan fucking loves it. She's so impressed by this. She is. Which is disturbing. She is because the way that he did it, if I was with a guy that did that, I'd be like, okay, relax. Yeah. Like, cool your fucking jets. Yeah. If I was with a guy and that happened, I'd be like, oh, thank you so much. It's really considerate of you to, like, comp us a drink. Mm -hmm. Like, I really appreciate that. And then if the guy I was with was like, let's turn that drink into five with a bottle of champagne. Like, put your dick away. Yeah. You're not impressing me. Yeah. You're making my (laughs) dick shrivel up inside of me. (laughs) 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 I can't deal. Okay. (laughs) So they're sitting there and they order their appetizers. The guy comes over and they order appetizers. And Sheridan gets, like, asparagus. Yeah, she's like, oh, my gosh, my favorite thing on the menu is this asparagus. I wrote it down. It's like lemon. Vinaigrette. vinaigrette. Asparagus vinaigrette. Okay. And he orders, like, stuffed mushrooms. Okay, I can deal with that. That I would eat both of those things. I was thinking about making stuffed mushrooms today, actually. I have a ton of mushrooms, so I'm going to stuff some mushrooms. That sounds good. Mm -hmm, Doesn't it? I love stuffed mushrooms. Me too. Okay, back to passion. (laughs) (laughs) So they're sitting there. They order their appetizers. Hank and Sheridan talk a little bit. Hank continues to lie to Sheridan. Says he's not interested in easy money. Mm -hmm. He wants to work hard and build a legacy, create an empire and make money for his future family. Especially his future wife. And Sheridan is lapping it up. She's pathetic. She is just such an easy sell. Like, it's just so easy to con her. No wonder all these men do it. She She's is, an easy mark. She's grown-up charity. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> she is. She's grown-up charity. She's grown-up charity. Oh, they behave the same way. Yes. Sheridan is twice her age. Yes. She has not learned a damn thing. And has had, like, all the opportunities in life and that life can afford to a person, whereas Charity has just been, like, completely sheltered. Like, it makes sense that Charity makes... It doesn't always make sense, but some of the things that Charity thinks and feels is like, okay, of course she doesn't know better because she hasn't been anywhere. Mm. Oh, yeah, my Sheridan gosh. hasn't gotten there. No. God damn. So, anyway, they're talking, they put in their order for the appetizers, and then the waiter's like, go check out the lobster tank and pick out your food. Go pick out your lobsters. So yeah. They pick up their glasses of champs and they walk over to the tank. And when they walk over to the tank, Luis and Beth walk into this restaurant. Now, I had some issues with this. Sure. I had multiple issues with this. So, of course, Luis and Beth come in. Nobody is at the hostess station to seat them. 
so Luis is like, oh, there's a table there. I'm sure Frank won't mind. Let's just go sit down. And so they go and sit down at Sheridan and Hank's table. Of course they do. Of course they do. And as soon as they sit down, a waiter comes out and gives them the appetizers that Hank and Sheridan ordered. And they say, oh, wait a minute. We didn't order. We just got here. We didn't order. And the guy says, the food runner was like, I was pretty sure your waiter said it was this table, but I'll go check. And they're like, oh, wait. And he goes back to the back. And then... They decide to eat the food. Well, Luis is like, oh my gosh, it's asparagus vinaigrette. That's my favorite. And Beth is like, I love stuffed mushrooms. So they just tuck in. They just decide to eat the food like Hansel and Gretel. (laughs) Right? (laughs) They just decide to eat. I I just, I have never in my life. I Like Hansel and Gretel. (laughs) It just doesn't make any sense to me. Somebody lays a plate of food down in front of you that at a restaurant that you did not order. And you just decide to eat it. I mean, if it's stuffed mushrooms. Girl, you j- <laughs> So y'all are going to have to excuse the fireworks. I don't know what's going on right now. It seems like every day and every night there's fireworks going. Is this happening across the country? Like, it is. Like, is everybody else experiencing this? In New York, it's like every single night and sometimes during the day. When you can't even see them. I can't, well, you know, but dear listeners, the number of times that I have been woking up, woken up in the middle of the night, like... Midnight, 1 a.m., 3 a.m., because of fireworks and, like, loud booms going off, like, literally outside the window. Like, it is a block from us. I woke up the other night, and I swear they were coming from our courtyard. No, literally, there were they were doing fireworks right on the street, yeah, right the out corner, front yeah. the, uh, that we live on. But the sometimes they sound like cannons. They do. They're t- it's actually terrifying, like, to wake up mm-hmm. to the sound of what sounds like a fucking bomb. Yeah. I mean, it's it, and it happens every night. I'm, like, getting PTSD. Yeah, I have been staying up late, so I'll either already be up or once I'm asleep. And then once I'm asleep, nothing mm. kind of stirs me from my sleep. It's actually kind of dangerous because <laughs> yeah. I sleep through, I will sleep through basically anything. Uh, see, I'm, the, I'm, like, in a dead sleep, and I hear a loud boom. I sit up. My eyes pop open, but it's completely dark, you know? And then I just like, what scared me so much that I'm now awake? And then another one goes off, and it's just like, I jump out of my skin. It's crazy. The fireworks. So anyway, we said all that to say, we're not stopping. (laughs) (laughs) We are not stopping, because I already took an edible, and I have to finish this. (laughs) (laughs) I have to finish this before it kicks in. Finish (laughs) it. So let's keep it moving. Oh. Okay. What so, the fuck were we talking about? The lobster shack, girl. They went to Beth and Luis right. sat down at Sheridan and Hank's table and then ate their, their food. food. Oh, yeah. Because Luis and Sheridan like the same food. And then he was like, oh, well, it's already here. It's already here. So, and it'll take forever if we wait to order the food. Yeah. So let's just eat this. So they're devouring the appetizers. And as they finish the last Like, like Goldilocks. Bite, like Goldilocks. Like Hansel and Gretel slash Goldilocks. Oh, Lord. So anyway... Sheridan and Hank get back, and they're like, what the fuck? You stole our table. Yeah. They go to Frank to try and sort out everything, and he goes, the restaurant is hopping. If you want to wait, it's going to be at least an hour. Like, you two are friends. You might as well just share the table. Yeah. That's the best we can do. So they agree to do it reluctantly, but Luis is like, you know what? I'm not going to wait. Like, let's just let's just suck it up and do it. I'm not going to change my plans because of them. And Sheridan is like, I'm not going to change my plans because of them. So they share the table. was so stupid this again i was so frustrated because if you really hate somebody that much first of all with sharon and and hank it's their table Mm -hmm. it was their table they were there to me that's the end of the argument yeah that was their table yeah second but second of all if you are if we are going to entertain this idea that 
they both have equal claim to this table, which they do not. Why would Luis want to sit at a table and have a date where Sheridan is? Like, how can you have a date and talk to your date and be comfortable with somebody across the table from you who you hate? Mm-hmm. The same way with Sh- Sheridan. Like, how yeah. are you going to get to know this new person? Because at least Luis and Beth know each other. Hank and Sheridan don't even know each other. So they're trying to get to know each other. Yeah. It's that a would weird just be, group hang date y'all don't have thing. Any, you don't have anywhere else to go, Luis? No, this is the only restaurant in town. Ah, the Burger Hut's gone. The Burger Hut is gone. The book cafe is closed. closed. Where else are they going to go? He could have taken her home and like yeah, cooked, her a nice little, cooked her a nice little meal. They could have gone to the grocery store and gotten yeah. a couple of little things and done like a little cute little thing at home. That's what I would have done. Yeah. That's I, what I would have done. I probably would have started with that, if I'm honest. What you said? It, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Probably wouldn't have even gone to the restaurant. Come to my house and let's eat here. <laughs> Where I can wear sweatpants. Yeah. <laughs> are there any other kind of pants? Oh, God. Are there any more? I don't wear pants anymore. I wore jeans for half an hour today, and it was terrible. I have one outfit that I wear outside right now. I've seen it. And it's, you've seen it many times. It's, nice. it's a pair of leggings and like a t shirt, mm-hmm. and it's my coronavirus outfit, and I just wear it. That's the only thing I wear outside of the apartment. So, yeah, I haven't worn any real clothes at all. I was like wearing dresses around that apartment. But like sundresses, you know, moo-moos, flowy things. Yeah. Just living my like best fantasy. I'm just doing the leggings t-shirt thing. Even for me, even leggings are too like restrictive. Oh, wow. I need, I like, (laughs) I'm just going to wear a robe. I need to air it all out. (laughs) This, we are 20 minutes in and we have not talked about about anything. anything. Okay. (laughs) We're going back to the restaurant. So these four people are sharing, have decided to share a table. Sheridan and Hank are like, let's reorder our appetizers and just make it work. The waiter is like, sorry, but we're basically out of everything. Those two just ate the last of those appetizers. What kind of restaurant runs out of food? (laughs) And then the waiter brings Sheridan's lobster over and is like, I just want to make sure this is the one that you picked. And she goes to look at it and the waiter drops it into Luisa's lap. This is the worst dining establishment I've ever seen. I mean, (laughs) go to Castleton. Go to Castleton. Go to Castleton. Drive to Castleton. I bet they have a. I bet they have a red lobster. I Ooh. bet they don't have a lobster shack. What's this off-brand shit? Endless shrimp. I'm joking. I although red lobster is so good. Look, those Cheddar Bay biscuits. <sighs> yeah, lobster fest. <sighs> yeah, shrimp fest. Mmm. Mmm. Crab fest. Mmm. Yeah. Crab fest. I, I got crabs. <laughs> What are you doing? I don't know. Keep going. Oh, I think it's worth also mentioning that Hank went up to Frank, the owner, at one point and asked him to comp dinner. Yes, that is very worth noticing. Yeah, so, like, Hank is like, I'm going to take you out to dinner, Sheridan. And then he weasels a free bottle of champagne out of the owner and then secretly goes up to the owner and is like, hey, I'm not working yet. Would you mind comping dinner? And then I'll just pay you back when I have money from a job. And Frank is like, you know what? Don't worry about paying me back. Like, we'll go ahead and do a trade, but I need you to talk to your brother, Sam, who's the chief of police, to handle some of these parking tickets I have. I need those to disappear. And Hank is just like, sure, no problem, buddy. Yep. Hank's a con artist. Hank's a con, and he's making promises he can't keep on behalf of his brother. Yeah, because you know Sam is not going to do that. No. Okay, so... The Lobster Shack. So the Lobster Shack. They're sitting at their table after that lobster gets dumped on Luis and he stands up and he's like ready to go. Now, how did he end up staying? Because the entertainment came well, out? Well, the entertainment came out. You okay. want to tell him about it? No. <laughs> Girl, I told you I 
three notes about the lobster shack, and I'm, I've read them all. Well, Misha the Magician walks out on stage. <laughs> yes, Misha the Great. Misha the Great. And is tanking. He's not doing a great job, this Misha. Not so great. Misha the not so great. Mm-hmm. And um, Frank comes up and he's like, dude, like, what is this? I need you to step it up and do something better. And Misha's like, well, I have one more amazing trick, but I'm kind of rusty. I haven't done it in a while. And Frank's like, do it anyway. I don't, I'm paying you, like, do something. And so he's like, I need a volunteer from the audience. And then just pick Sheridan. She doesn't even, like, raise her hand. She's not into this. She doesn't want to do it. But he's like, you, you're pretty. Get on stage. And on stage is, like, basically a coffin. It's a, a big, long box lined in purple velvet. And Misha's like, get in. <laughs> and Sheridan's like, no, thank you. And then what happens? She gets heckled. <laughs> she gets heckled. She gets heckled. Like, get somebody else. Was Did, did Luis say that? Was Luis, Luis heckling her? Yes. Luis looks at Beth and he's like, do you want to do it? And Beth's like, I guess so. And I think Sheridan got mad at that. And she's like, well... I'm not going to let him have his way, so I'm going to get in the box. Yeah, so she gets in the coffin, even though she was obviously having some misgivings about it. it mm. was, she has, like, a little flashback. You can tell she's about to have a moment. Yeah. She gets in the coffin, and then we see a flashback of her standing in, like, that living room, and there's that body covered in blood again, but with a sheet over it, and people are picking it up and putting it in a coffin and closing the coffin. And then she's standing there watching all of this. So they just put, like, a bloody, a, sh- a body wrapped in a bloody sheet straight in the coffin. Yeah. Right in the casket. Right in the casket. So they're, I don't know what's going on with this I flashback. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, she gets in this coffin, even though she obviously should not have. Right. And then he padlocks her inside. No fucking way. Yeah. I wouldn't have gotten in the box. And I don't have, like, a mysterious past where I saw people put a body that I may or may not have killed into a coffin. And I wouldn't have gotten in that box. No. I wouldn't have... Well, I might have gotten in the box, but not if I knew that they were going to lock me in. You know what I mean? If I was there with friends and all this, like, I'd probably... Pro- look, any excuse to get on stage. I mean, I'm like a fucking, enter- like, like, ego... Maniac. Maniac. I was going to say entertainment whore, but that's <laughs> not exactly right. I'm, I'm a fucking egomaniac. I want to be on stage. You want to be on stage, but you're in the box. Yeah, but that's exciting. No. See, my my assumption would have been, I'm going to get locked in this box. Like that's And that's really one of my worst fears, is mm. being locked inside of like a box that I can't get out of, and then being like thrown in water. It's like, oh. one. I'm like having heart palpitations just thinking about it. Oh. I never would have gotten in that box, I, because I just as- would assume somebody's going to lock it. I wouldn't have made that. I would be the idiot who got locked in a box. (laughs) (laughs) Locked in a box. Locked in a box. So Sheridan is locked in this box and she's pounding on the lid and like yelling to be let out. But either nobody can hear or he can and he just doesn't care. I don't know. Misha. Yeah. Misha the magician. I feel like he can't hear because we can't hear her once we're outside of the box, really. It's like loud and they, they make a point to like have like that it's loud in the restaurant and it's mm-hmm. kind of noisy and Misha's talking and yeah. yelling. and. But again, if I was locked in a fucking box and I was yelling, y'all would y'all hear, hear me. me. You would hear me. So that's everything at the Lobster Shack, right? Yep. Okay. So. Sheridan's locked in a box. Sheridan's locked in a box. So let's move on to Charity and Miguel. So this part of the episode is what aggravated me the most. Mm. This storyline is getting out of control. Yeah. Yeah, it is. The, the writers have clearly lost control of it. <laughs> right? It's It has become its own monster at this point. Yeah. Jesus Christ. They've kind of backed themselves into a corner where it's like, we have to resolve it. But clearly, 
someone is telling them that they can't resolve it. And so they're trying to stretch it out and there's just no good way to do it. Yeah. It's like they were told, we're going to do this story arc for 60 episodes. Figure it out. <laughs> it's like they were told we're going to do the story arc in 15 episodes and then 12 episodes in, they're like, just kidding, we're going to do it for 60 episodes. <laughs> yeah, and so then they have to stretch out the last three days of what they had planned and make it last for two months. Yeah. No, so fine. Charity and Miguel are at this service station. And remember, Miguel had just told Charity, I know how we can fix this. I know who it's been staring me in the face the whole time. And he reveals... I can figure out who your mom's sister is because as soon as I see her face, I will know if I've met her in Harmony. Because she's your mother's identical twin. Right. And he lays that out and Charity still seems confused. <laughs> he like lays it out. I think Charity's just perpetually confused. <laughs> I think she is too. And so he like explains it again. And then she's like, oh, Miguel, I don't know. I just don't know if it'll work because my mom, she's really dead set on this, us leaving. Like, sh I just don't think she's going to listen to you. Yeah. Basically. But Miguel is convinced and he's like, you know, we're going to figure this out. And when your mom finds out that her sister's living in Harmony, she's going to want to move there because she wants to live in the same town. And it's a miracle. It's all going to work out. So anyway, the mechanic fixes up the bike and they get on it and drive away. Right. And pulling up the rear, though, is Tabitha and Timmy. Tabitha and Timmy. Tabitha. They did not show us this. They showed us a they showed us a lot of nonsense with Tabitha and Timmy. They and sometimes they neglect to show us important things with Tabitha, mm -hmm. Tabitha and Timmy. Timmy just says, "It's a good thing you saw Miguel and Charity on Miguel's bike on his way out of town." Yeah, yeah. They never they didn't see that. You know, yeah, they didn't show right. us them re realizing they were on their way out of town. Here's the thing: you have to show us. Right? This is the thing that they say in theater, in, in live performance. Show, don't tell. Right. If you require exposition to get us from point A to point B, then you didn't do your job. You're supposed to show us yeah. the important action. Yeah, it so, can't happen off camera. So they're on their way to catch up with Charity Miguel in her little uh, car. And they stop at the same service station that Charity and Miguel have just left. Mm -hmm. And they stop to fill up on gas. She, you know, she says, fill it up, dearie. The, fill the it up, dearie. The guy comes over. Oh, by the way, yeah. I'm looking for two teenagers on a motorcycle. And he helps her out. Well, at first he's like, why are you looking for them? Because he's a little suspicious. Mm. She makes up some bogus story she about... She says, the girl was my, is my niece and uh, she I have her medication. She left home without her medication. If she doesn't get it, she's going to seize up. Yeah. And so then the attendant is like, sure, I'll help you. And he's like, oh, yeah, they just drove off that away. And then Tabitha. This shit was crazy. This shit was crazy. Tabitha, while the car is still being filled up, backs up so that the, what's, this, what's the thing called? Nozzle. The nozzle comes out of the car. Gasoline is spilling everywhere. And the guy goes like, whoa, whoa, calm down. What are you doing? And then she lights a match, lights the match book on fire, and then throws it out the window to ignite the gasoline. Yeah, she's like, here's something to worry about. And yeah. throws that into the gasoline and sets them. I mean, she they didn't explicitly show it, but that man caught fire. She lights him on fire. Yeah, because think about it. He's covered in, like, grease and fumes. and like, he's, he's standing like, right near the He's pump. standing right next to it, but that also what he would yeah. go up in flames. He's, like, covered in that. Yeah. And she goes, if you want to worry about something, worry about this. And then they just, like... Drive, drive off. Timmy does have a horrified look on his face. He should be. She lit a man on fire. Yeah, it was crazy. For and no she, reason. And then she's just like laughing about it yeah. on the drive. It was very weird. It was very oh. out of place and very strange. And 
all those other times when she put him t- Timmy in like the washing machine and the toaster oven or whatever the fuck mm-hmm. she, we got a little PSA like this was very naughty please do not do this at home we got a PSA when they didn't buckle their seat belts. yeah so why didn't we get one saying like don't set people on fire you know like don't what Tabitha did was very naughty don't don't set your friends on fire don't use matches at a gas station I just don't understand why we did it I mean I guess they're just trying to highlight the point that Tabitha is evil and it worked I mean I know she's evil She's still, like, a great part of the show, but yeah. she's fucking evil. Look, she just lit a man on fire for no reason. For absolutely no reason. For helping her. Mm-hmm. For helping her. She set she him on fire. She thought it would be fun. So weird. It was so weird. It just seemed out of place. So out of place. Yeah. It was misplaced. Okay. If Tabitha was, like, causing mayhem everywhere she went and was just, like, hurting other people... Like, she hurts Timmy, but it seems different because he used to be a doll and she, like, right, created he's a, him. He's not a person, really. He's not a person in the town walking around whose life is going to be like irre- irrevocably altered by this. You right. know what I mean? Right. So if she was just going around and like killing people and hurting people and causing harm, like all over the place, I would kind of understand this, but it was just so out of the blue. It was, it was, out of, it was, and I thought you wanted to keep a low profile, Tabitha. Right. I don't know. Anyway, so she catches up to Miguel and Charity at Charity's house. Right? Yeah. Charity and Miguel get to that house. But we'll come back to what happens at the Standish home. Yeah. Because we need to go back to Harmony really quickly. We need to stop by the church where Grace ha- is having a conversation with the angel. A full-blown conversation. Who tells her, you got to have some courage or all will be lost. Yeah, if you give in, it will be the end of everything. And Grace is like, can I have some clarification, please? Like, what's going to happen? How will my life change? Like, give me a little something to work with here. And they, all the angel says is, all will happen tonight. I literally wrote, the angel tells her no important information and then disappears. And then the lights go out. Yep. Yep. That's it. She gives her no information. She gives her just enough information that Grace looks like a fucking lunatic. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So the the angel disappears and Eve and TC come into the church and she goes, what are you doing here? And they say, oh, Sam sent us over to check on you and, make, you know, get help you get home. We know you've had a rough night and... So she then starts to tell them what to them sounds like pure lunacy, right? Yeah. Like talking about this angel came to life. This statue that I'm standing in front of right now that you can see is a statue just came to life. We were having a full conversation and she told me that I had to have courage and that all would be lost if I don't. And something, something bad's going to happen tonight. And Eve and TC are like, oh, oh, no, I'm sure you're just, like, overtired. Oh, no. Yeah, Eve was like, TC was like, well, you know, the pillars cause, like, shadows. And maybe it was, like, this <laughs> this kind of illusion that played a trick with your mind. And Eve was like, right, like, and you're stressed out. Like, you just made contact with your sister. There's a lot going on in your life. Maybe it was just, like, this odd combination. You know, and Grace is like, it's not an illusion, Dorsey. It's an illusion, Dorsey. <laughs> That's another 90 Day Fiance. If you're not watching 90 Day reference. Fiance, you're not living. You're not living your life. So, Eve and TC are very worried about their dear friend Grace, who seems to be off her rocker. And they're like, you know what? Let's get you home. Mm-hmm. Let's get you home, pour you a nice warm mug of tea, and talk some things out. Yeah. So, at this point, we should probably go back to Castleton. Sure. And deal with these teenagers. Yeah. These star-crossed lovers. Romeo and Juliet, i.e. Charity and Miguel, arrive at the Standish home. 
And Miguel is all excited to go inside and meet Charity's mom and figure out who her long-lost twin is. And Tabitha and Timmy are hiding in the bushes, listening to the conversation. As always. <laughs> Tabitha's always in the fucking bushes at somebody's house. Sometimes her house. Yeah, at her own home. It's her favorite place. <laughs> Shrubbery. <laughs> Shrubbery. It's her favorite. <laughs> And Charity's like, you know, let me go in first. My mom has been very upset, and I don't want to surprise her with a stranger. So let me talk to her. You just wait out here. So she goes inside of their home and is greeted by a frantic Faith. Hysterical. Hysterical. Just out of her mind a little bit, you know? A lot bit. Yeah. I I feel bad for her, though, because she's been through a lot tonight. She's worried about her kid, too, mm-hmm. you know? And, I mean, Tabitha did tell her she was going to kill her. And she lost her sister 20 years ago and has no idea where she is. Yeah. She's been cut off from her family. So yeah. I get where she's coming from, this, this woman. I totes my goats get it. <laughs> totally get it. So she's, thank God you're here, Charity. Why'd you go out? Blah, blah, blah. The, the person that you saw, it was a trick. And Miguel, blah, blah, blah. And she thinks that someone is impersonating her sister in order to trick Charity into welcoming evil into their home. Yeah. I mean, it's, re- it's a reasonable thought. Yeah. Knowing what we know. Well, especially since when she finally did make contact with the person claiming to be her sister, Mm -hmm. Tabitha, again, I keep saying it, but came through the computer breathing fire. She did. She did. You should continue saying it because that's exactly (laughs) what happened. I mean, oh, yeah. So she, she's, of course, a little bit suspicious. Mildly suspicious of anybody who, you know, wants to come in and see her. Yeah. So... She, Cherry's trying to convince her mother to let Miguel come in and take a look at her. Give her a gander. <laughs> Give her a gander. And of course, while this conversation is happening, Tabitha sees her opening. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm going to do some shit because nobody knows we're here. And she pulls some magic and makes that little like packing peanut tornado happen again. Yep. So there's a giant windstorm inside of the house. There are packing peanuts flying around for days. And once she brings the storm down to a dull roar, Faith is like, well, we can't trust Miguel. He's the only other person here. And look what has happened. He clearly has caused this wind storm. We can't trust him. And Charity finally sees that her mother's worries and her mother's concerns are legit. Right. She doesn't think that it's Miguel. And she says that much. But she, I think for the first time, is actually scared that something's going on and that her mom is not crazy. Yeah, maybe she's on to something here. Mm -hmm. So she goes back outside for whatever reason that yeah. I mean I know why I know why Charity went outside. It's just shocking to me that Faith was okay with her going back outside if she thinks Miguel is the evil that brought the windstorm. Right. It doesn't make any sense. There's no way that her mother would let her go outside alone in the darkness to talk to the devil, basically. <laughs> in I mean the what darkness. the fuck? In the, the darkness. darkness. <laughs> I won't let the darkness get my baby. That's hilarious. So Charity goes back out onto the porch and and she's all upset and does not tell Miguel about the, the wind. No, she doesn't, does she? No. She keeps that to herself. She she always keeps all the important details to herself. Well, Charity is unsocialized. She's like that dog that can't be around anything or anybody other than its like owners without freaking out because mm-hmm. it's never been to the dog park. That's Charity. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> dog owners know what I'm talking about. <laughs> all right. So she goes out there to talk to him and... She tells him she doesn't. She's not going to see you. It's not going to work. This is over. This is done. You know, and he gets pretty upset. He's like, "This is so unfair." Yeah, he tries to talk to Mrs. Standish through the door mm-hmm. and be like, "I'm not here to hurt you." And Faith is clinging to her rosary in the middle of the living room, just going, "Oh no!" Like crying, bawling her eyes out. <laughs> 
What a mess. <laughs> it's just so annoying because it's such an easy solution, but I understand her character. I get why she's I so, get it. so terrified. I do. I Unfortunately, I get it. Oh. So, he, you know, they say their goodbyes and... He puts on his helmet and he looks real sad. He's upset. He says, we're never going to be able to be together. We can't have a relationship over the phone. Yeah. Oh, that scared me. That's a lot. And he goes, I'll never forget you. Yep. And she says, I'll never forget you either, Miguel. 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 And he gets on his hog and he... Drives off into the sunset. He rides off. Into the moonrise. Yep. So... Tabitha and Timmy give each other a thumbs up. They're like, we did it. Yep, they did it. They think they've got it all figured out. We're in the clear. They're in the clear. Timmy's like, Tabitha, why does he ask her what she needs to do to restore her powers? She said that she, she's like, oh, good. Now, now that we've done this, I can rest for a while and replenish my power before they leave the house. Mm -hmm. She says that. And then in the car, they have like that conversation. Yeah, I don't understand. About... Because it seemed like her powers had been reduced. Like, and I was thinking maybe, maybe the, yeah. like when she was in the basement talking to hell, like yeah. maybe they took some of her powers maybe. away because she wasn't doing a good enough job. Maybe. I just, it, I just, I'm just very unclear. They spend so much time giving us very <laughs> specific information about things that we don't need because we already know. Yeah. Because they've talked about it a million times. And then we're just left to guess because this seems like an important plot point to me. Yep. Maybe they'll talk about it later. I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. So anyway... Charity goes back inside, says, Mom, everything's going to be all right. Don't worry. Tabitha and Timmy are outside. They hear everything. And Tabitha's like, wherever they go, I'm going to find them and crush them like bugs. Yeah, Tabitha. So this isn't over. Not by... This isn't over yet. Let's go back to Harmony. Where TC and Eve are walking Grace back to her house. Yes. So they walk her home. And before they go inside, she asks them not to say anything to the girls about... The little girl slash the angel. They call her the little girl. It's obviously an angel. Yeah. Uh, don't say anything to the girls about this angel, all right? And they're like, we wouldn't dream of it. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, uh, yeah, no, we're not going to tell... We're not going to br- be the ones to break it to your daughters that you have lost all contact with reality. <laughs> right? Yeah. So they but, go in the house. But oh. Grace hasn't really lost contact with reality. At all. No. Because Father Lonigan, after everyone leaves the church, goes up to the angel. And I don't know why, <laughs> but he touches its face, her face... And is like, tears. Because the stone statue was crying real tears. Yeah, he feels the tears and then he goes, there are souls in jeopardy tonight. Oh, okay. Word? (laughs) If you say so. Word? Okay. (laughs) Okay, Father Lonigan, you got anything else? He's like, you, you said this to me early on when we first met Father Lonigan. You're like, he is the most unhelpful, helpful person you'll ever Mm -hmm. encounter. Yep. He is helpful and absolutely no help at all all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Father Lonigan is basically useless. He just kind of serves the purpose of explaining the inexplicable. Yeah. Well, and he also kind of serves for the spirituality of the whole piece. (laughs) You know, like, as, as like the spiritual tether. Yeah. Yeah. And so that all of these people who believe in God and have these different experiences will come and talk to him about it. Right. Oof. So then, and that's how we can kind of piece things together. Because that's how we kind of, we didn't piece it necessarily, but the grace and faith kind of, that was a, they came both talk to him. Right. I guess, and I guess he's the only person in Harmony who has met both of them. Yeah. I think, yeah, no one else has met her. Otherwise they would, they would have known. Yeah. yeah it's just Father Lonigan. No help at all. Uh, Father, no help at all. Yep. So anyway, sorry. Yeah. Back no, to the Bennett back house. Back to the Bennett house. So back at the Bennett house, Eve and TC have walked 
Grace inside. Jessica comes bouncing down the stairs. She's so excited. She's like, look, mom, look at the flyers that I made to help find Charity's aunt. And then Grace like shares the news with her that we already found my sister. Yeah. And we found Charity's aunt all at the same time because I am her aunt. And Jessica's over the moon. She's like, oh. You're telling me that Charity is my first cousin? I couldn't tell. I think Jessica was genuinely excited about this. Yes. But I also wasn't sure if some of the excitement was knowing that it would break Kay's heart. Oh, absolutely. Here's <laughs> the thing. I think this situation for Jessica is the best case scenario. And how many times in your life have you ever actually experienced the best case? case scenario. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. You know what I mean? She's like, oh my god, <laughs> I like Charity, and she doesn't have any friends. I forgot Jessica doesn't have any friends. She's finally gonna have a friend, have a friend. that her sister hates. Yep, that her sister hates. She couldn't be, yeah, she has a, And yeah. on top of that, her mom is happy. Yeah. Her, her mom has finally found, like, the piece that's been missing, and, like, maybe this is gonna make her act a little less crazy. Mm. You know, it, it's just the perfect yeah. best case scenario for Jessica. Yeah. <laughs> So she's just she's thrilled. Elated. She's fucking thrilled. Elated, man. gleeful. Oh, I, oh, I loved her performance. It was great. <laughs> really? Yeah. So after sharing the news, Jessica's all excited, and Grace is like, "Oh, I, I want to talk to Kay and let her know and thank her and Simone for their help." And Jessica's like, "You know, I think they might be at the book cafe. I will go check." And she leaves. And so then. The next time we see Grace, she's worried because she's been waiting for a while. Because remember, Sam left her at the church to go to the police department and try and find some information. Right. And she's sitting there with TC and Eve and is like, why has Sam not called? What's wrong? Something is, is, is wrong here. My sister was telling me that there's evil that's trying to keep us apart and trying to our, keep our family away from each other. And I'm really worried that maybe she's right. Yeah. Then Jessica comes back mm -hmm. and then Sam does call. And TC answers their home phone? Well, yeah. So Jessica comes back and is like, Kay's not at the book cafe. So where the fuck is Kay? Yeah. I, I'm really, really <laughs> where wondering where go? Kay is. I, is she like burying Simone somewhere in a shallow <laughs> grave? Oh, no. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past her. Where are Kay and Simone? Maybe, they, maybe they're at the Russell home. Well, but the, Kay wouldn't be at the Russell home. Simone probably went home. Where's Kay? I don't know where Kay is. Somewhere is she making out with Reese? Reese Durkee? Not Make out turkey? Not a <laughs> Harmony's Makeout Turkey. Oh, yes. Reese Durkee, Harmony's Makeout Turkey. I love it. Oh. So where's Kay? We don't know. So I'm sorry. I keep interrupting. Sam calls. What happens? And TC answers the phone at somebody else's home. Okay, TC. This is the Benham residence. <laughs> right. TC speaking. How may I help? And then he says, he comes over to Grace. He says, Grace, it's Sam. And he's got good news. <laughs> and so Sam has Faith's phone number. Yay. Yay. Woo. And Does he have her address too? I don't know. I just know they have the phone number. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know why I asked you when we watched the same show. <laughs> well, it's because you, I, you wanted to know. You were asking it for the benefit of our listeners. Correct. I already knew the answer. Okay. Definitely. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I, I know that. So Grace is on the phone with Sam. And Sam gives her the phone number. And while she's on the phone with Sam, the doorbell rings, and Jessica goes, I'll get it. And so she goes over to get the door, and it's Miguel, who has made it back in record time. Record time. He's like, I went home, and my mom told me the, the news that you are Charity's aunt, and I know where she lives, so I came over because I want to help. Like, yeah. He's, he's over the moon, too. Look, people are putting it together. They're finally putting it together. Uh-huh. 
it's probably going to take them another like 18 episodes to finish putting it together, but it's just nice that it's finally happening. Happening. It's a step forward. It is a step forward. It is nice that it is some of it is finally happening, but we are at a place where it should have been resolved yeah. basically. Yeah. Right? Or it should be getting truly resolved in like this episode or right. the next episode. It's not it shouldn't be stretching out as long as it is. But yeah. anyway, Grace tries to call Faith on the phone. Mm-hmm. The phone's ringing. Ring, 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 ring. No answer. She hangs up the phone. She says, oh, no. They must have gone already. Mm-hmm. I'll, never, I'll never see my family again. And then Miguel's like, I'm not going to take this. I'm going to try and call again. So he calls. Ring, 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 ring. Back in Castleton, we see Faith and Charity out on their front porch with boxes. Phone ringing. And Charity says, oh, I should go back in there and get that. And Faith's like, don't you dare, Charity. It's dangerous. It's too dangerous. Isn't it dangerous everywhere at this point? Like, the house, the outdoors, who cares? Mm. Number one. Number two, you didn't pack your phone. You left the phone in the house. Yeah. And the line is still active. And you're moving. Their house was still only half packed. So I don't know if it was like we're fleeing in the night, only taking the essentials. Maybe it was like a furnished apartment and it comes with a phone. I don't know. Maybe I don't know anything about that. Yeah, like the like the phone is. <laughs> I part don't know of it. anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. That should be like the tagline for this show. Passions <laughs> yeah. podcast. I, I don't, don't know, know anything, anything about, about that. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Charity decides to go back in and answer the phone. Mm-hmm. And just when we think all hope has been lost, and Miguel's just about to hang up, Charity goes in and answers the phone, and he's, she's going, "Hello, hello, is anybody there?" And we think. On um, Miguel hung up. Yeah. But no. Miguel's on the phone with her. Woohoo. Woohoo. And what does he say? He says, Charity, Charity, it's me, Miguel. And she's, Miguel? You know, she's all excited. Who's Miguel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, Grace Bennett is your aunt. Is your mother's sister. sister. She's here in Harmony. I know who she is. Uh, we know who she is. We've just been, you've just been missing her incessantly. <laughs> So he's solved, the, he's cracked the case. He's he's better than Frank Lomax P.I. Detective McNell. <laughs> <laughs> Detective McNell. Yeah, so he's, he's, he's done it. Miguel did it. Yeah, but like, Faith is still not going to go for it. Faith is not going to go for it. But I don't know. I don't know where this is going to go. Like, are they just going to drive out and in the middle of the night and try and catch them before they leave? I mean, I, I don't know. Is Charity going to convince her mom to talk to Grace? Like, we're at the point now. Oh, well, maybe, maybe once McNell. <laughs> you, you just actually called him McNell. <laughs> just like the person who made that sign in episode one. Oh, my God. <laughs> His actual name. Maybe. Maybe once Charity says to Faith, Mrs. Bennett is your sister, she'll realize that's why I have such a strong connection with her. Mm. That's why, like... I felt so close to her so quickly. Like, this has to be true. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it's at least worth mm-hmm. looking into. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Something about the church, the angel. Maybe the angel will talk to her. I mean, I just don't know. I have no clue. I don't. Cl- I don't. And what's going to happen at the lobster shack? Charity <laughs> yeah. is stuck in a coffin in front of a crowd of people. With Ooh, wake Nisha up. the Magnificent or whatever wake the fuck up to, his name is. They're going to um, find Sheridan in, like, the box. Just like in her own vomit like she (laughs) that's dark is it supposed to be like a disappearing act yeah he said she's supposed to disappear maybe she'll go to like the other world (gasps) maybe maybe she'll get transported spiritual land she'll be transported to tabitha's basement girl (laughs) you you stop now you better stop 
Look, I would love for that to happen. And then Louise has to go save her. From the basement. When she gets transported to Paris, where Roger is still looking for her at the airport. (laughs) Okay. That's it for this episode, y'all. That's it. Rate, review, and subscribe. We love getting messages. So if you want to send us an email, we're passionspodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on social media. We have an Instagram and a Facebook for Passions Podcast. I don't know. Am I forgetting anything? I don't think so. Let's finish this bitch. Thanks for right? listening to our supersized 25th oh my gosh. Yeah, so episode. This episode complete with fireworks. Yeah, right. For our 25th <laughs> episode, we got fireworks. Which is great like- for an audi- auditory uh, yeah. entertainment. Yeah. Just and the sound of popping and bombs <laughs> in the background. We got fireworks. We got a parade of sirens. So, like, <laughs> the whole city knows about us now. <laughs> right? And they're celebrating our accomplishment. 25 episodes. Woo-hoo. Here's a, another 250. Yeah. At least. 2,000 episodes. 2,000 episodes? Okay. Thanks, everyone, for listening. With that, you are my passion for life. Pop, 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 pop. <laughs> Kaboom! Enjoy the fireworks show. (laughs) Enjoy the auditory fireworks show. Pop, pop, kaboom, bang! (laughs)